morning. Peace be with you. It's nice to be back. <laughs> I, uh, I debated whether or not I should get a sign in, in like the old uh, Mosaic Law for those that had leprosy to be shouting out, unclean, unclean, to give you a chance. So if you uh, all want to go out when uh, the end of the service, that door, uh, and avoid seeing me, that's okay. I'll, I won't, it won't hurt my feelings, but... Um, I actually did a little research on, uh, on pneumonia, and it's, um, it is unlikely to catch pneumonia from somebody that has pneumonia, but the germs come from somewhere. So again, uh, your health is my um, prime importance to me and priority to me, not just your physical health, but also your spiritual health. And today we're going to talk about that as well. Um, uh, the lectionary sets itself up uh, just so beautifully these last few weeks, and today is no different at all. I just got uh, some news, and in some realms it would be sad news, but for those who are in Christ, this is beautiful news. I apologize if this hurts you, but um, there's a gentleman that I know of, um, was just told, his name is Don Grimm. You know the name, he's from Faith, and he passed away on Saturday morning in the early a.m. I do not know of any information about a, a memorial service for him, but I um, would trust that uh, that would come in the next uh, few days and so forth. Please do um, lift up all who know and loved uh, Don in prayer for comfort and peace. And, and we rejoice, we rejoice that he is at home uh, with the Father. In other announcements, uh, I'll let you take a look at your, your pink sheet. I'm getting us started late, which is not unusual, but let's, uh, I'll let you read this, and that would be great. And uh, let us stand. Our opening hymn is You Servants of God on page 252.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is Let us confess our sins to God, our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence in eternal punishment. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. 
This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, your divine wisdom sets in order all things in heaven and on earth. Put away from us all things hurtful. And give us those things that are beneficial for us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. First reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verses 10 through 20, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1040. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 20. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth never satisfied with her income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefits are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, Their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. 
Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This, too, is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain? And since they toil for the wind, all their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I've observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of the life of God. The life of God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives some wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their tools, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. We will read Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. The third reading is from Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and can be found on the Pew Bible on page 1865, Hebrews 4, 1 through 16. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short, to have fallen to falling short of it. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we have, we who have believed, entered that rest just as God has said. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never rest. They shall never enter my rest. 
and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, called it today. This he did when a long time later. He spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For it is jo if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 23 
through 31 and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1571. Now Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things, all things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up and he said, we have left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This morning, the title is God is in charge, not you. God is in charge, not me. God is in charge, not you fill in the blank. Only God is in charge. In Ecclesiastes, we are told by the wisest man that ever lived some insight about the folly and vanity of wealth. He goes through earlier to say, the more loot that you gather just means more people want the loot that you have. The more you produce just makes more people want what you produced. He says that the one who loves money is never satisfied with money. 
nor the one who loves wealth with big profits. It's smoke. It's, 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 it's the, a salary of smoke. What do you do with smoke? Right? It doesn't last. When I read this, I go, yeah, well, try me. Hard and honest work, he says, earns a good night's sleep. Whether supper is beans or steak. Then he goes to say, but a rich man's belly gives him insomnia. Now let me just, let's just pluck out the rich man, the wealthy, or anything that has to deal with stuff. And let's insert the man or the woman, the creature, without Christ. Here's a bit of bad luck he talks about. He says, I've seen it happen. A man hoards far more wealth than is good for him and then loses it all because of a bad business deal. Now, he's fathered a child, but he hasn't a cent to leave behind for him. And truly, he says, he arrived naked from the womb of his mother, and he'll leave in the same condition with nothing. You've heard me quip and other more notable characters say, you never see a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse, right? I mean, duh. A friend of ours, uh, my godmother's husband, loved to race boats up in Lake Tahoe. And every year we would go up there and he had this jet boat that was called Never Again 2. He also on there said, the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. This was a blueprinted Chevy 454, blueprinted and balanced jet boat fast. Up in that thin up air up there, the thing was doing about 75 fast. It also said, he who dies with the most toys, and now as an older man, I know that he who dies with the most toys still's dead. And somebody's using that never again too in such a way that is going to probably make him mad. So the wisest man ever breaks all of this down and it really comes down. It's not the rich man. It's not the, the Lord, the leader, this guy. Of, it's the man without Christ is empty. The man without Christ is not sleeping well with a full belly. But the man with Christ, the man clothed in Christ, the man who follows Christ, sleeps at the end of the day, at the end of the toil, having walked with Christ. That's the difference. And so then he comes down and he says, Here's, here's what the answer from last week. The rich man comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, do you remember that? 
Good teacher could have been kind of a derogatory remark. Now, those that were followers would have done it very respectfully, good teacher. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and maybe even this rich young man said, (laughs) good teacher, disrespectfully. What must I do to inherit, first problem, everlasting life? What do you do to inherit anything, right? It kinda, you kind of fall into it, don't you? They used to have a saying, they made money the old-fashioned way. They inherited it, right? You don't get to choose who you are born into. Thank God we have been adopted into the into God through his son, through our baptism. Thank God that by what he did on that cross, we've been given the power <laughs> for all the things that come with being a child of God. Thank God we're not trying to fit the largest land animal in the Middle East at the time that the common man would know through the smallest opening of an instrument that man would know. Thank God that wasn't our job to do. But through God, all things are possible. I'm kind of jumping ahead. But here's what he said. Here's what he would have said to that young man had he asked Solomon. Solomon would have said, all right, here's what I think. He said, after looking at the ways things are on this earth, here's what I've decided is the best way to live. Are you listening? He says, take care of yourself. Have a good time. And make the most of whatever job you have for as long as God gives you life. And that's about it. Not Solomon, okay? That's not Jesus. Solomon, you know, had some real character flaws, right? But he was wise. And at the end of it, I mean, he had it all. He said, it's all vanity. Because in the end, if you don't have God... You don't have anything. And Jesus, you'll notice uh, in the gospel this morning, I went a little bit longer, and I also used part of a different translation, the English Standard Version. And this happened right after the young, wealthy man departed. Because Jesus looked at him, and in Mark, it says that Jesus loved the man He looked at this young man with love. Agape, perfect love, God, love. And he he said to him, one thing you lack. One thing. Sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. And then come, follow me. And the man got up and walked away sad. Jesus loved him, but he didn't chase after him. What a difference. And even Peter gets it. Well, you said, hey, follow me. And we got rid of our nets and said, see you, Dad. And we went and followed you. That was the second part of that. Got to love it. You know, here you got Peter going. It's like, who's the greatest, right? One more time. I'm the greatest. We're here. We're part of the twelve. Still don't get it. And they, they look at Jesus and they, say, they ask him, you know, then who can be saved? 
And I need to also just to, to pound it in one more time. This isn't about wealthy, being, wealthy people not being able to go and receive Christ or heaven or the inheritance that is promised. This is about the man who does not have any other qualification to enter heaven than wealth. The young man had no qualifications to get into heaven other than his wealth. If you remember, he says, well, I have followed some of those commandments, the ones about doing to other people, right, having committed adultery. And he probably was a stellar citizen. If he's wealthy and he's young, people knew him. He probably walked the walk pretty well. But Christian, here at Reformation Lutheran Church, can I be good enough on my own and maybe tip God every Sunday and still get into heaven without Christ? Yes or no? No. That's the thing that Jesus is anything that gets between you and Jesus is going to disqualify you. And so people look at this, what he says about the camel and the eye of the needle. And, and um, there's a, a Greek word called adiaphora, adiaphora. And it's, I can describe it, much ado about nothing, uh, majoring in minor things, spinning your wheels, not focusing on what is important, adiaphora. So some people say, well, you know, Jesus taught in parables and taught in similes. And, 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 and so instead of actually being a literal camel and a literal needle, there was a gate somewhere in this impenetrable city that was built to keep hordes and masses and people that would wish destruction upon him. But there was a gate that you could go through after curfew. But you had to have your camel get on his knees and, you know, wiggle through it. Or maybe you could get through it, but you had to take your backpack. So you came alone. And so there is the there's the picture that Jesus is trying to trying to paint. That it's you're gonna have to shuck those things that hold you back, you know, to get in. And and here's the gate called the eye of the needle in our impenetrable city. There's people that say that. They go, well, there's writings from some century. Doesn't mean it's right. I've not found the part in the Bible that says, yeah, it's not a big deal if you got here after late, after the gate, after night, and, you know, the gates are closed, and you could just go in the side door, you know, park your camel and get it in the morning, you know, um, we, we didn't operate that way, and so I would defer that to architects and archaeologists and maybe common sense. Somebody else says, oh, well, there's a group of rocks that's called the eye of the needle somewhere, someplace. And 
Instead of just saying, come on, guys, the Bible's not hard. Jesus isn't trying to, like, freak you out and confuse you. He wants it to keep it simple. In fact, that's why he said, two commandments I give you, right? Love God and love your neighbor. So couldn't it be, theologian, and couldn't it be, a uh, person who subscribes to Adiaphora, well, I like to look at all of the possibilities. Couldn't it just be this? That Jesus took the largest land animal known by common man, common folk, people like us, and the smallest opening that common folk, people like us, would understand and say, you can't get a Cadillac Escalade through the eye of a sewing needle or into a modern one-car garage, right? That's what he did. He said, this is, and, and, and so apart from God, guys, you can't make it. And then he goes on further to say, but all things are possible with God. Oh, good. And quite frankly, could God make a, make a camel with two or one humps, however they come? You know, I don't know why. They, that must have been a committee that says they need two and the other one said one. But I, I don't know. But can, can God put a camel through a needle? Of course he can. I don't know why he would do it, but, I mean, if he wanted to, he's God. He can do that. It's not on us. All things are possible for God. And we are living, breathing examples of that once we were sinners, once we were born into this world, naked from our mother's womb. Sinners. Some people might still argue that. Babies don't sin. And have you had a baby? They sin. Children sin. Oh, that sounds like a grandma or a grandpa. Some, not mine. Oh. Okay, let me ask you this. I heard this this morning. Why is it that we have to teach kids to do the right thing? But I never had to teach my children or no one had to teach me how to do the wrong thing. Can I get an amen here? So we're not naturally good. We are naturally sinners. And oh, thank God what beautiful words those are that Jesus said. All things are possible with God. Even to getting a wretched sinner like me and like you into heaven. By what he did. Your inheritance found right here. Found right here at this altar. Found right here in this sacrament. Found right here in this holy word. Given to you. And Paul finally sums it up with this. Jesus, the great high priest. Since we have a great high priest, he says, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's been there, done that. He walked. He knows what it's like to have a chest cold. He knows what it's like to have a beloved friend pass away. Lazarus. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by the ones that he thought loved him. Well, he knew they were going to betray him, and yet he loved him even all the way through up until the betrayal. But we have a high priest who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. And finally, the invitation is for you and for me and for all. As Paul says, what we have is today. And if the gospel hits you right now, and if you're listening to it right now, or if you're listening to this, I'll speak to those that are listening online. Now, the time is now. And he invites you, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The time of need is now. And you all are sitting in a good spot, not just because this is Reformation Lutheran Church and we have beautiful pews, but right now as you sit, you have gone through confession and you have been absolved of your sins. You are right with God right now because of what he did on the cross for you. You have confessed him with your lips. I heard you. He's already put you through that eye of the needle. He's already picked you, adopted you. You are in. So come to the table with confidence today and every day knowing that your sins are not counted against you. That you're in. You don't need a secret side door because you know the one who opened the gate and stands there welcoming you in. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Christ and him crucified for you and for me. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Let us now confess together our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. <clears throat> For the Church of Christ, that the baptized would rejoice in the Sabbath rest that is theirs in the Savior, and that they would strive to enter his rest by ceasing from their own labors and resting entirely in his salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all ministers, that they would so handle the living and active word of God that it may not be hindered in doing its task of exposing the secrets of our hearts and showing us our merciful and faithful high priest. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For an increase in full-time work, church workers among us, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who hold public office in our land, that God would strengthen and uphold them in every good deed, protect them from every evil, and prosper their service to this nation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the cheering confidence to remember always that what is impossible with man is not hard for God, since all things are possible with him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have left home and loved ones for the sake of the gospel, that they may be comforted amid the troubles of this age in receiving the members of the church as their family now, joining them in waiting for the hope of eternal life in the age to come. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those afflicted in body, mind, soul, or spirit, including those we now name silently or out loud, that they would be given grace to entrust themselves into the Savior's loving hands and await relief according to his good and gracious will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who will come to receive at this altar the ransom price of this world, the true body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord, that they may welcome him with joy and partake with these sacred gifts to their everlasting blessing. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the faithful departed, let us give thanks and praise to Christ, asking him to bring us with them to the home he has prepared. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. And I'm going to share it from up here. Peace be with you. I didn't say you could stand up, but I guess you could if you want. Would you please stand? (laughs) It does this pastor's heart glad to see the love in this building, the love for one another, the greetings and the sharing of the peace. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer Amen. In the night, excuse me, you caught that, didn't you? 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father. Through Christ our Lord, who on this very day, not this very day, but on this day, overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church here on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy. In the night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us come boldly to the table, let us come boldly to the throne of the only righteous one. Let us come boldly knowing that we are his kids and he welcomes us with open arms. Let us come boldly. You may be seated.
Will you please stand? That was a long one, too. Sorry. I guess sometimes it takes however long it takes, but thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your prayers. Thank you for being uh, witnesses to Christ's love, his love for you and your love for each other. Thank you. I needed to see that, and he allowed me to, and you showed me. Thank you. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is how great thou art, and yes, he is.